Welcome to Practically Healthy by Dr. Melina. I'm your host, Dr. Melina Jampolis, and I'm a board-certified physician nutrition specialist. And I started this podcast to take the latest science and really help you figure out what you should do, can do, and eventually will do when it comes to food, fitness, and everything that's involved with helping you become the best version of yourself. I'm super excited about my guest today. I guess it's Dr. Emily Werner. I didn't even realize that when we met. Um, I met her at the biohacking conference uh, that Dave Asprey puts on, and and I was very very excited to talk about her because talk to her because. Um, Emily, well, first of all, just a little background on her. She is an RDN and has a PhD in exercise physiology. So she knows her stuff when it comes to sports nutrition and performance, which is super cool because that's a passion of mine. But she also works with a company called Timeline Nutrition in the Nutrition Affairs Department. And they are... They have a supplement called MitoPure, which is really focused on mitochondrial health and, and performance and healthy cell aging. And this is a huge focus of my new company. So I was very excited to see her and, uh, and, and talk shop a little bit at the conference, but it was very loud. So I said, I'm just going to bring you on my podcast. So Emily, that's a long introduction. She's also the team dietitian for the Philadelphia 76ers. So she's the real deal people. This is, uh, you know, it's fun to talk to the people who really are on the front lines of, of nutrition intervention and not just the researchers in the lab. So Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So so let's talk, let's talk mitochondrial health. Just just give our listeners a little background on everything mitochondria, and then we'll kind of move into, you know, urolithin A, what it is, why we care. And then, you know, we can, of course, talk about the supplement specifically, because I know it's got some really unique attributes, um, you know, and then we'll end with kind of practically healthy implementation tips, because that's the name of the podcast. So, so why should we care about mitochondrial health? I mean, a million reasons that we don't have time to get into, but, <laughs> you know, I, I would guess that most people in some point of their schooling have heard the phrase, the mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell, right? It's like, it's like the most great marketing scheme that some scientists came up with back in the fifties. Um, and that's because that's where our energy is produced. So that's where ATP, uh, adenosine triphosphate is created within the cells. So we need our mitochondria function. On top of that, we have thousands up to 100,000 mitochondria per cell, depending on the cell type we're talking about. So like all cells of the body, except for red blood cells have mitochondria. So this is something that's, if you can affect it or make it uh, healthier or optimize it, you really are affecting the body at the most like baseline level. Yeah, and, and organs and, and you know that are more active that require more fuel have even more. So when we think of high energy, high octane, you know, you want your brain, your heart, your muscles if you're an athlete. Um, but it also has, you know, it's not this isn't just important for athletes. This is important oh, gosh, for yeah. everyone. So I mean, and then so so what happens as we age? Why is this something that we need to be thinking about? At, at any age, or do we not need to think about it until our 30s or 40s? How does that work? No, we totally need to be thinking about it at any age. Uh, the thing about the mitochondria is that 
they become dysfunctional over time, right? So there's this naturally occurring process that our mitochondria go through called mitophagy. And if people have heard of autophagy, it's the same cellular kind of recycling, but it's specific to the mitochondria. So essentially they are recycling themselves as they become dysfunctional because it's a it's a mechanism that the body has has come up with to save energy on having to kill off cells and create new. It's about that recycling so that we can just kind of always have a constant production of ATP. The problem is, is as time goes on, as we age or as we experience chronic stress, which could be exercise stress, fasting stress, or even just life stress that we all go through, those dysfunctional mitochondria, it it kind of happens faster. They become more dysfunctional at a quicker rate. So that's why it's important for all of us at any age to be paying attention to this because there really is kind of a, a click, ticking time bomb like of, of dysfunction of these mitochondria as we grow older or as we experience more and more stress. So, so let me get this right. Um, so the mitochondrial dysfunction kind of outpaces the body's ability to recycle. And, and so the damaged mitochondria build up and you can't create good ones fast enough. Is that, am I saying that correct? Essentially, yeah. Like if you think of it as a, uh, like a dishwasher and you load up your dishwasher uh, with all of your dirty dishes and at first it cleans them perfectly. But over time, if you keep using the same dishwasher over and over again, it's going to clean out those dishes much less effectively and you have dirt and grime and grossness build up until you can replace that dishwasher and start afresh. So that's so kind we of- all need new bodies. That's what you're saying. We need to just regenerate our bodies. That that exactly. makes perfect sense. Okay, good. Exactly. Then we're done. So this is great. <laughs> I was at yeah, I was at a a, a meeting. Um, Sanjay Gupta, uh, you know, was involved in and you know called life life itself or something like that. And they're able to 3D print a human heart with actual human cells that was able to function for three weeks. So I think we're pretty close to building a new body, but you know, maybe let's still continue the conversation because, uh, you know, I think there's a few years away. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Just a few from the entire functioning human body. So, um, all right. So, so this mitophagy slows down mitochondrial dysfunction increases. So our body just isn't able to produce uh, energy as effectively. So, so right. what are the repercussions? Let's talk about some big ones like head to toe. Oh my gosh. It's a whole downstream effect. I mean, because like I said, every cell in the body, aside from blood, red blood cells have mitochondria, right? So if your mitochondria and your brain aren't functioning optimally, that's, you know, cognitive decline or just, um, there's actually a lot of mitochondria in your eyes. So you could start to have dysfunction with, any anything that the eye does or how it maintains its health. Um, same thing with the muscles, you know, as as time goes on, the way that we feel, like literally feel this mitochondrial decline is in less energy, worse sleep, you know, quality of life decreases because like imagine your muscles aren't functioning very well, you can't even open a jar. You know, that's gonna have an effect on a lot, you know, your quality of life. So it's it's yeah. really once your mitochondria are so dysfunctional that your body can't keep up with the recycling, it really is just this snowball into health decline at every level. Right. 
And I know that, you know, diabetes is is pretty strongly associated with mitochondrial dysfunction. Is that because the elevated lo- blood sugar like accelerates mitophagy or I mean accelerates mitochondrial dysfunction or is it is is it a bidirectional relationship? How does that work in diabetes? Um so I'm not a diabetes expert, but from my my understanding is the excess blood sugar, yeah. It it's it's that it's an added stress, right? So right. it's going to increase the amount of mitochondrial dysfunction that occurs and in the same way it it makes pretty much every cell become dysfunctional like nerve cells i mean right. it, it all it all really has a, a negative effect if you have too much blood sugar yeah because i know we've i've done studies where looking at how you know taking a human cell and exposing it to high levels of sugar yep. increases cellular senescence which basically yep. puts the puts the cells to sleep so it's clearly not a good thing from head to toe so you know, and I think with the majority of the population being pre-diabetic, this is a really important consideration. It's not just about, you know, age-related decline. We are probably accelerating the decline with the metabolic abnormalities of the population. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, this is, so this is important stuff, people. This is why we're talking about it. I'm not just bringing you fluff. Um, so, so let's talk about urolithinate because that's probably something that not a lot of people have heard about. Um, I have. I'm a big fan. Uh, but um, tell us a little bit about that and and why we should all know that term. Yeah. So one of the ways that we can influence our mitochondrial health, or two of the ways actually, are through diet or exercise, right? So some some other avenues of inducing this mitophagy process that we that research has recognized for decades ha- is intermittent fasting and um, and exercise. And those both have really positive effects. Um, but within the realm of diet on mitochondrial health, cellular health in general, there are these compounds called co- polyphenols, which I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever talked about on your podcast, but they basically um, have a whole range of functions, some of them being antioxidants, some of it being uh, cell regeneration, all that kind of stuff. Anti-inflammatory. Yeah. I've written two books on the healing powers of herbs and spices. So I talk a lot about polyphenols. I'm a big For fan. Sure. <laughs> so, so where your lithin A comes in, uh, really, if we go back to when it started or when it was discovered, um, it's not surprising that many people haven't heard of it because it was only discovered back in about 2008. Um, so it's not even 20 years old. And, mm-hmm. uh, there's a handful of Swiss scientists, um, at the EPFL, which is basically the Switzerland version of our MIT, um, they were looking into pomegranates and yeah. it was the, the time that Palm Wonderful had come out with, you know, touting pomegranates as this superfood, which, you know, it's something that's been consumed over thousands of years. Right. So mm-hmm. the question was, what about it makes it so great for people's health? And among the many metabolites that they identified, one of them was called urolithin A. And what urolithin A does is the same thing that intermittent fasting and exercise do. It induces mitophagy. So the researchers were like, this is incredible. You know, how can we get more people to benefit from this metabolite? And the first thought was, let's promote pomegranates. Let's get people to eat more pomegranates. Um, you know, it has a lot of other health benefits besides just the urolithin A. But further research showed that even uh, those who could, the problem was that most people can't convert the pomegranates into the urolithin A because of gut microbiome diversity. And because as you can imagine, as I'm sure you've spoken about, our gut microbiome has declined over the, the, the time, you know, hundreds of years, like it's just getting worse and worse. So 
they recognized that there was this need for uh, a supplement to kind of come into this. And it's, I don't entirely love calling it a supplement because it really is a nutrient, um, but because it's something that the body does recognize. It's just that most people can't create it on their own. So that was why this MitaPure product was created so that it's a calibrated direct dose and you kind of bypass that bioavailability issue. Right. So, and for the science geeks out there, I don't know if any of you are listening, but it, it's really, it's the elagitanins in yes. pomegranate because I actually did some work with Palm Wonderful on their scientific advisory board. And, and, and this was a big part of, you know, in brain health and muscle health. And, and this is something that we looked at a lot um, yes. from the scientific standpoint. So, so how, and, and I mean, I, I in my opinion, supplements, can be, of course, nutrients. I mean, they're just, they're supplementing a diet, not replacing, yeah. but supplementing. So, I mean, just to be clear right off the bat with people, you know, if you're eating like crap and not exercising and hyper sedentary, don't waste your money on this supplement. This is not a magic bullet that's going to allow you to be a couch potato. This works along with you know, healthy, I'm somebody who can't really do intermittent fasting. I'm just not good at it. I love breakfast. So, you know, but I do love exercise as well. But so this is something that augment a healthy diet. So, so tell us about the supplement. Tell us about the research. You sent me a ton of really cool studies and I want to kind of get to all of them. So, so, and, but the gut thing, I'm just, you brought up something interesting that our gut microbiome has changed over time. So do you think maybe a hundred years ago, we were better able to convert elagitanins uh, to urolithin A? I, I do think so because um, there was less environmental toxins to have an effect on the gut microbiome. The presence of antibiotics as well has been something that, you know, if introduced early in life could end up resulting in gut dysbiosis. You know, there's, there's a ton of factors, but yes, overall, I think our gut health as a population as humans has decreased over time. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I just, it'd be interesting because I know that, um, I mean, I, I wonder if there's a genetic basis that adds in, are you familiar with that at all? If there's anything from a nutrigenomic standpoint, or is it really just yeah. variability in the gut biome? Which, so what is the statistics? Like one in three people cannot convert elagitanins to urolithin A. Is that, is that right? Or is two out of three? Two can. out of three can't, only one out of three can. Correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. So, so we haven't identified any like genetic relationships. The deepest it's gotten is general gut microbiome diversity. We haven't really identified specific strains that are at play. And um, that's something we've talked about looking into. Yeah, no, I think that's fascinating. And it'll be interesting to see how this field grows because clearly urolithin A is, is on people's radar now. And in the last couple of years, the, the research has really you know, exploded. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the research because you sent me some cool abstracts. I mean, you know, in healthy adults and older adults, it, you know, muscle strength, middle-aged adults, uh, cartilage regeneration, I thought was <laughs> super interesting for somebody yeah. who's had three knee surgeries. So let's talk. So this is really potentially beneficial for everybody. Let's start with, with let's start with that's the first study, like with healthy adults. What, what, what was the goal with that? Yeah. So the, the first two clinical trials that were run, well, really the first three, the first one was that one I mentioned about comparing pomegranates to the supplement itself and, and the uh, measuring just the blood uh, amounts of urolithin A. So we talked about that. The next two were 
uh, randomized controlled trials looking at supplementation in an older adult population. So I believe it was like six, 60 to 85 or 65 to 85 year, year olds. Um, and then the second study was uh, a, bit, a slightly younger adult population, somewhere in the 40 to 65 year old range, mm-hmm. both of which were a uh, two month supplement. No, it was actually a four month supplementation period. Um, but again, blinded. So then they had the different groups go through um, muscular endurance testing, muscular strength testing, and there was no exercise intervention. There was no dietary intervention. So this was purely like very f- kind of practically field-based. Just Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty extraordinary. Life. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. So in the older adult study and in the uh, middle-aged adult study, we saw improvements in muscular strength, improvements in muscular endurance, what I think is interesting for the older adult population, uh, there was a significant increase in six minute walk distance. Yeah. So to me, that's a very like real world benefit. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so the, and then in the younger adult population, um, really just marked improvements. I think it was a 17% increase in muscular strength, a, a 12% increase in muscular endurance. I might have those backwards off the top of my head. Um, and then from there, you mentioned the, um, the osteoarthritis study and the, uh, the, the cartilage regeneration. So that wasn't a mouse model, but still extremely interesting and hopefully something that we can do in, in a human model. And we actually just put out another publication today, or actually the Buck Institute did um, in collaboration with us. And there were improvements in um, T-cell activity actually in a mouse model of cancer. Um, so we're seeing some really interesting immunological effects of your A supplementation. Yeah, and in the study I'm looking at with the middle-aged adults, um, reduced markers of inflammation, is that is that, I mean, is the damaged mitochondria inflammatory on some level, or what's explaining that finding? That's a really good question. Theoretically, yes. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I, the mechanism behind this improvement in inflammatory markers, we aren't 100% on. I think it's it's because of the way mitophagy works and the way urolithin A impacts it, it's kind of clearing out the dysfunctional, right? Like it's taking out the trash essentially. Mm-hmm. So if we consider, uh, if we consider inflammatory markers as part of that kind of realm, then, or even just having more fresh mitochondria to help clear out the inflammation subsequently, I think that's kind of probably how it's having its effect. Yeah, and obviously that I mean that also has in and of itself has um, potential health benefits. So absolutely, I mean I, I thought it was you know and just glancing. Uh, yeah, what I, I think is it was super interesting. Yeah, when you when I when we've talked to people who have taken the supplements, anecdotally, one of the things that most people report is better recovery from their workouts. Like they they feel like they aren't as sore and they feel like they can do more the next day than they would have prior to supplementation. And, uh, you know, as somebody who's 52 years old, I can tell you that, you know, that's a really important, you know, thing because recovery definitely diminishes, you know, your ability to recover as you age. And that, you know, I can say from, you know, somebody who even skiing multiple days in a row, like, you know, of course, some of that is me overdoing it and not listening to my body. <laughs> and so if this can help with the arthritis in my knee, then we're golden. Um, so so let's talk a little bit because, I mean, <clears throat> I don't want to miss the opportunity to tap your brain a little bit on professional athletes. Have mm-hmm. you had experience? I mean, first of all, what what's that? I'm just curious. What's that like? What do you do as the team dietitian for the 76ers? 
So among my many roles and responsibilities, one of them is supplement review and implementation. Um, so urolithin A came across my desk about a year-ish ago, maybe a little bit less than a year ago. Um, and it was through one of our players um, that had been recommended to take it. And so I did what any good practitioner does. I dove into the research um, and there have not yet been any published studies in an athlete population. We do have a study ongoing with Louise Burke at the Australian Institute of Sport. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those preliminary results are pretty interesting, and especially in the reduction of those inflammatory markers um, realm. But at the time, it was just, um, it was something that I decided to implement with my players because number one, it's third-party tested. So it is NSF certified, which means it's been tested by a third-party source for um, banned substances and anything that could come up on drug testing. So I'm the type of dietitian that has the mindset, number one, I'm, I'm food first, but what I recognized about MitoPure because I'm food first, but not food only. And yeah. what I recognized about MitoPure is that I would need to get my athletes to drink six glasses of pomegranate juice a day and get lucky with their gut microbiome in order to elicit the benefits that just one serving of MitoPure can offer. Right. And considering the importance of mito mitochondrial health for athletes, um, the risk reward ratio, it was a no brainer for me to start incorporating it because we don't, we've already optimized the other realms of affecting mitochondrial health, right? Like they are fed the most optimal diets possible. I mean, yeah, they could like go to five guys on their own, but if they're with us, they're being fed top notch food and then they're exercising all, all day, every day. So we're kind of already ticking those boxes. And then it's the question of what else can we do to optimize them from a cellular level? And so this really fit well into the picture. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. And I know, you know, in, in terms of inflammation, like delayed onset muscle soreness and things like that are very closely linked to inflammation. And, and you know, um, so that's having something that helps with that in addition to, for, I assume for elite athletes like that, I mean, even a small increase in mitochondrial function or number has benefits. I mean, in, in yeah. jumping and, you know, whatever it is that athletes have to do. I'm just yeah. curious, just because I love sports nutrition, I'm kind of a geek in that way. And we've had mm -hmm. um, the president of the International Society of Sports Nutrition on as well. And I've talked to him at length about some stuff that he believes in. What are some other things that you do with the players? And, and you know, how important do you think diet really is in their performance? I think it's huge. Um, some other things that we do, it's, it's really, I'd like to say education, but it's not in the sense of like, let's sit down and have a team talk. You know, it's much more casual than that. It's, I am, I am their first resource for questions about nutrition. I am their first resource for questions about, uh, changing their body composition, whether it be trying to put on muscle, trying to lose fat, um, whether it be trying to gain fat, you know, lean out, whatever the case may be, um, I'm that resource for them. And the, the benefit of having someone in my role with any team, whether it be professional, collegiate or recreational, is that's my only job, right? Like I'm not a strength coach that's trying to do nutrition on the side. I'm not a sports scientist that's trying to do nutrition on the side. My entire focus is what these athletes are consuming. 
So I plan the menus. I make sure we have all of the appropriate hydration. Um, I'm constantly in search of, you know, what are the things that could just give us that little bit of edge? Because if you think about it, these are, these are one percenter athletes, right? Like they might be at a ceiling for how well their body physiology functions, but there is still, there still needs to be something that separates them from their competition. And so it's my job to at baseline, keep them healthy, which is like my number one thing. And then on top of that, how can we improve performance and how do we, and we can do that by improving recovery, improving just overall health status. Yeah, no, I think it's extraordinary. And I, I, I have to tell you in the last two decades of my career, even though I have worked with professional athletes on and off at a collegiate level, at a professional level, even recreational, I, I really like to approach all of my patients with more of a sports nutrition mindset because people have this, this view of diet as being like a punishment, but I, I really try to change the lens and the conversation to make it more about how you're fueling your body and, and your performance may be just keeping running with your kids on the playground. I don't care what it is, but I want to optimize your performance. I want to meet you where you are and optimize that. I mean, with athletes it's, or even actors, it's at a higher level because they their job, this is their job to, to right. have their bodies look and function optimally. Um, so I'm curious, and maybe you can't talk about it because I know MitaPure is something a company that you're working with, but are there any other types of supplements that you find yourself generally recommending that you think are practical for everyone? Um, yeah. So as I said, with supplements or the idea around supplements, I'm definitely a food first, but not food only kind of mindset. So um, I would say my, my first blanket statement always is, um, check your diet first. You can't out supplement a bad diet. So absolutely hundred <laughs> percent. Right. So let's, um, but let's, let's go with the assumption that somebody is eating a very well balanced, um, healthful diet. That's kind of checking those baseline marks for them and, and whatnot. Um, from it, from an exercise standpoint, um, I believe in the research around creatine. I believe in the research around collagen, um, and both of those and every supplement that I talk about or recommend to anybody is always with the caveat of that risk reward ratio. So it's always needs to be a third party tested source needs to have, um, a lot of strong backed evidence and it, at minimum, nothing harmful has happened from yeah. supplement. And I think also like with, with collagen, there's a lot of uh, different types. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, yeah. on some level, like the branded ingredients may be more expensive, but they also have the research and the testing to support their efficacy. So, right. so with collagen, you're talking about like more for, for repair and, and joint. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Primarily, primarily joint, um, joint health. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's important. I think, um, cause people, you know, supplementation can seem expensive, but if you're going to do it, do it right. And, and yeah. I, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you. And as, I'm just curious, especially with COVID because immunity is on everybody's mind and I'm sure with the NBA, that's still an issue. So is there anything that you recommend? I mean, obviously diet first, having a healthy gut, 70% of our immune system is in our gut. So having lots of phytonutrients, fruits, vegetables, 
polyphenol-rich diet. Is there anything else that you recommend during the winter? I'm just curious how much of what you do is like what I do. Yeah, um, I would say vitamin D is probably is probably the most common thing that we recommend um, because I'm in Philadelphia, so we're above that. I think it's the 42nd parallel where between the months of November to March, we don't get the UVB rays, so we can't generate our own vitamin D. So that's a very common uh, supplementation. On top of that, um, I really try to hit things more from the whole food source realm. So lots of fruits and vegetable intake. Um, Sometimes we do features of like bone broth or ginger. Um, So really hitting from that food perspective is more of a priority to me for immunity. There's and now this emerging research on might appear for immunity. So I'm like, oh, sweet, kind of <laughs> <laughs> adding adding that benefit to the list of, of more and more reasons why I believe in supplementing with with the might appear. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to kind of round out the conversation, you know, I, I I've had a lot of physicians, the medical community kind of push back on supplements over the years and, and really poo-poo them. But I think if you take a food first approach and are responsible about your your sourcing and, and the types of supplements that you choose and why you choose them and not, I love that statement. I'm going to steal it from you. I apologize in advance if you hear me say it sometime, but <laughs> that you can't out supplement a bad diet. I, I think, you know, just like you can't out exercise a bad diet, but that that right. applies as well. So I, I love that. And I think it's it's super smart. And it sounds like we're very much on the same page. And um, I'm definitely going to start might up your I am not trying to sell anybody anything you guys can make your own decisions. You're all grown ups. But I can tell you that this is something that I am really going to take more seriously, because, um, you know, I'm an old mom. And I think the idea of of aging gracefully and being able to keep up with my kids on the ski slope in my seventies, you know, is really important to me. And so, um, I think it's, I think it's super interesting. So, I mean, is there anything else that I haven't asked you about with either your lithin A or mitopure or mitochondrial health? Is there anything or anything practical that you want to impart on, uh, my audience? Yeah, I would say with this, an important thing to note is that it is something to be considered on a daily basis. Um, In the same way that we talk about the benefits of exercise, like exercising once is great, and you get some really great acute benefits from it. But the real benefits come in when you use it chronically or when you do it chronically. So it's kind of the same thing with your lithin A, its effect really doesn't come into play until you're consistently taking it for a couple months. Um, so that's something to keep in mind if anybody's looking into incorporating, incorporating it into their life. Um, and I would recommend to your audience to check out timelinenutrition.com. There's a really great um, blog section with well-written articles by a dietitian that talks about the, the practical ways to fit this into your lifestyle. No, I think that's great. I was just going to ask you where people could go to learn more about it. So you saved me from asking the question. So um, yeah, and uh, I assume they're on Instagram as well, because, you know, some of our listeners, so you can find them on Instagram, but really, you know, educate yourself. You know, this podcast is really just to to inform and educate you as much. But this is something that, you know, um, there's very few supplements that I'm, uh, you know, I, I would want to have a representative from the company on because I, I never want to seem biased 
in my presentation of things. But I think this is unique and interesting enough that it really did warrant this. And, um, and I'm really looking forward to continuing to see the research evolve in this field, uh, because I think it's legit. And I think it's something that, um, you know, we live in a, in a pretty toxic world and, and, you know, I wish I could avoid stress all the time. I wish I could live, you know, in Montana. Although after, sh- you know, I'm watching this new show, Biz- Big Sky, and there's a lot of murder in Montana now. No, but um, that's that's outside of the realm of the podcast. But um, so so I thank you very much, Emily, for your time and and. Ex- expertise and um i'm gonna have i'm gonna be watching those 76ers uh see how they do against the lakers this year and uh, maybe we can get Uh, the lakers on this too so they can be competitive um (laughs) but um thank you again and and i i I really think this is truly practically healthy advice so um i appreciate you coming on and educating our audience and if you enjoyed this program this listening please like us follow us subscribe suggest topics ask questions get engaged i'm here for you um and my goal is to help you really stay practically healthy and age gracefully which is what i want to do so we're all in the same boat so have a healthy day and thanks again emily thank you i really hope that you found the information in this podcast helpful i know i did and i welcome your feedback because i'm doing this for you so if there's topics that you want to learn about something that you want to learn more about if there's something that you want to explain further that i've talked about please let me know comment on my instagram page send me an email melina at drmelina.com and definitely hit that subscribe button because i'm going to have great new content every single week and i don't want you to miss an episode that's it for now stay practically healthy